Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable, and it is time for our midweek Bible study right here on our website. I want to personally thank you once again for joining us together around the Word of God. We're living in perilous times. We're living in the last days. We're living in dangerous days, both physically, mentally, and spiritually. And friend of mine, we want to get a perspective on how to not just survive the end times as God's children. We actually want to thrive in the end times. God wants us to stand out (laughs) when the whole world is becoming more and more hopeless. He wants us to be beacons of hope, to shine in this last day, that men would see our hope and want to know where in the world that we are getting it. And we can let them know uh, there's nowhere in the world we can get it and there's nowhere they can get it. Bill Gates can't buy it. No one can manufacture it through a drug. No one can get drunk enough or high enough to escape the pressures, problems that would mark the last days. In fact, when Jesus was asked what shall be the sign of his coming, the end of the world, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, one of the things he said, among many other, and just want to bring this one out, is men's hearts failing them for fear and looking at the things which are coming upon the earth, which are coming upon the earth. For there shall be distress of nations with perplexity, puzzlement. There will be situations that people can't figure out. The Bible tells us as Christians, we, we were, we're going to feel this. We're going to experience the feelings and the pressures just like they are. That's why we need a new perspective on trials and tests. That's the title of our teaching today. Getting a new perspective on trials and tests. We've got to see it differently than maybe we have been looking at it. Every trial and test is not just an attack of the devil to upset us. He wants to destroy us. He would if he could. Jesus prayed for Peter and he he said, Peter... He said, Satan has desired to have you. And you'd think that was unique to Peter, but it's in the plural, the way that it's written. And it connotates this. Actually, it says this. Satan has desired to have all of you, you all, that he may sift you all. Now, I'm from the South, and I'm telling you all, (laughs) amen today, amen, listen to me. He wants to do that to every child of God. If he could, he would. But listen to why he can't. If we don't give place to him, we have a high priest interceding for us. You're going to find out here as we read the scripture, we're kept by the power of God. Part of that keeping power is not just the might of God being almighty and fighting in our behalf, but Jesus' intercession for us as our great high priest. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen to what he told Peter. We're not actually going to that scripture. Let me just tell it to you. He said, Peter, Satan has desired to have you all, you, but you all, it was in the plural, that he may sift all of you, you, as the wheat. 
but I have prayed for you, remember all of you, that your faith fail not. That this trial, this test that's going to come will not defeat you, will not destroy you, but will serve to strengthen you. And when thou art converted, when you become another person, and listen, Peter's going to get a new perspective on trials and tests. Paul had to go through a trial that was so heavy that he prayed three times that whatever whatever demon was creating all the trouble in his life, he knew there was a spiritual entity behind it all, although it was manifest through people <laughs> and circumstances. And he knew there was an entity behind it. And he, he said, there was given to me an emissary from Satan to buffet me. An emissary means a special agent. In other words, the devil picked one of his chief demons to cause trouble and 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 sicked him on Paul. He set him on Paul. That was his assignment. Don't take time to try to get a whole bunch of people messed up out there. Other Christians, this guy is a is a direct, distinct threat. He, he he's anointed of God. He's appointed of God. He 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 is an apostle of Jesus Christ. He knows how to cast us out when we're in somebody. And he said, you set yourself to discourage him, dissuade him, destroy him if you can. But by all means, dissuade him, discourage him. Paul prayed three times and there was no answer. You better get, listen, we all better get a new perspective on trials and tests because we cannot escape them. All those that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's not just people talking about it. It's people accusing us. That's part of it. But it's the whole spectrum of testing and trials because we have an adversary, the devil, (laughs) who walketh about as a roaring lion, meaning a hungry, famished lion, seeking who he may devour. (laughs) Friend of mine, the Bible says, Submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. We have an advocate with the Father who is interceding in our behalf. And that's part of the keeping power of God. We have the Holy Spirit coming to indwell us. Part of the keeping power of God. Hallelujah. We have the Word of God to tell us how to react and respond. When the trials come, it's normal, it's human to question. In our wisdom and our logic and our reason and our intellect, we will not always understand. And we're asked to do something by faith, and that is to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. We have to have a brand new perspective on trials and tests. Now, I'm going to forego First Peter 1 through 7, but I'm going to tell you what it's all about up here. They are under heavy persecution. They are driven from their homes, some running for their very life, some going to have to move in order to find work because they were persecuting the, the Christian community. And Peter called them strangers that are scattered. 
they they were they were like people who didn't have relationships where they were they were going into different lands hunting work trying to make a life they had to go because of their faith now what god did through that because he allowed and permitted it, is because the gospel went (laughs) everywhere they went. And the testimony of Jesus that would have stayed in a close-knit community now was spread out to all these different places that they had to go seeking refuge from all the pressure, heavy trials that they were under. So 1 Peter 6 and 7, here's the perspective we need. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through many full temptations. Not temptations to do evil, but trials and tests along with all of the temptations of the flesh is the temptation to doubt God. And it can, if we start moving down that slippery slope of doubting God, we've got to be careful that we don't find ourselves accusing God of unfaithfulness. Friend of mine, it's God's faithfulness that's going to take us through the trials. The devil would love you to doubt God. He would love you to, to disbelieve the truth of Scripture. He would love you to have your faith shipwrecked so that your shield of faith comes down and the flaming arrows, the fiery darts come through. God wants us to stand strong, be true to Him, and true to the Word of God. He wants us to thrive, therefore, and not to just try to survive the end times. Listen wherein you greatly rejoice. Paul got a new perspective. He prayed three times for this buffeting spirit to to be taken away, and heaven didn't give him an answer. There was no answer to why it was happening, yet there was no, no stopping the trials and tests, the persecutions that he was going through. And as he waited, the Lord spoke to him, And he told him, my grace, if I don't give you, if I don't take you from that trial, if I choose to take you through it instead of from it, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is perfected in weakness. It changed his whole perspective. (laughs) He said, he said, you know, I'm going to take pleasure in this pressure. Because I have a new perspective on it. No, nobody wants to go through anything. Nobody wants any pressure. Nobody wants any problems. But it's foolish to think we can live in a faulty body, in a fallen world, with the, the world, the flesh, and the devil, our great enemies, amen, with a formidable foe in the enemy who is constantly on the attack. And he's relentless. He's not going to let up until Jesus comes for us. So we have to weather this storm because we can't avoid it. 
If you're trying to build your faith to some hyper faith because you see someone on television for an hour and you see the house they live in, the car they drive, and you think they live in a compound, they live in a bubble, they live in a vacuum, they've got all these people running interference for them. You can't walk up to knock on their door and ask them to take you by the hand and pray for you. You're going to have to go to a church somewhere and ask some pastor to take you by the hand and pray for you. That person isn't going to do that. And if you get to know that pastor, you're going to know he's had some or is having trials and tests and that he has feet of clay just like you. If he wasn't kept by the power of God, he couldn't stand. If he wasn't given grace sufficient to go through, he couldn't do it either. And that person in that bubble that you perceive them to be in, that is not reality. Amen. Their wife knows where they live. Their children knows how they live. Amen. No one can live like that. It's an illusion. I want to be, I want to hear from somebody that's been tried and tested, <laughs> that's been, been jerked through and not hold backwards in, in circumstantially and found and discovered that grace, that mercy that God offers us to go through, not always be delivered from. When Paul got that perspective, he said, "When if, if this trial that weakens me causes me to draw closer to God and that the power of Christ will rest on me and it's going to make my ministry more effective because I'm going to be more relatable when I preach, powerful things are going to happen when I preach, but it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of God's grace. It's all because of God's mercy. It's not me. I can't, but God can. Hallelujah. He put it this way, theologically and biblically, not that we are sufficient as of anything of ourself, for our sufficiency is of the Lord. That's the key to it all. No matter how powerfully God used this man, how many revelations of this man who wrote 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, who also said, and he said it with such humility, he's talking about himself, but he wouldn't just put forth himself. He said, I knew a man, whether in the, in the flesh or out of the flesh, in the spirit, out. Of the, I knew a man that was caught up into third heaven, some heaven beyond that that we can see and perceive, God's heaven, God's throne. <laughs> and I saw things, I'm unutterable things. Most people would have written a book, and it's all right if someone had an experience, wrote a book, if it was a true experience. A lot of experience are found to be untrue, unbiblical, and therefore we're not to receive them. But even if it happened to you, happened to me, what a glory it would be. But there would be some things we would not be allowed to tell. Amen. And after all these experiences he had, he said not that we are sufficient as of anything of ourself, but our sufficiency is of the Lord. What he was saying was, I'm all sufficient in his sufficiency when he says, I can do all 
things through Christ who strengthens me. I, in and of myself, can't do anything. But through Jesus, I can do everything. (laughs) Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, friend of mine, how we need a new perspective on trials and tests. Wherein now, First Peter 1, 6, wherein, well, let's back up to 5, run it down, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire. Remember what the Scripture said? Think it not strange. It's not unique. You haven't been left out, (laughs) amen, of the blessings of the Lord or the, the protective power of the Lord. No, you haven't. He's still fathering you. He's fathering all of us. Listen carefully. Think it not strange. This fiery trial that has come to try you as some strange thing has happened unto you. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tested, tempted above that that you are able to bear. How are you able to bear it? All sufficient in His sufficiency. Amen. Hallelujah. And will with the temptation. He hasn't removed it yet, you see. He hasn't removed it yet. Paul called it a thorn in the flesh. Something that troubled him. An emissary from Satan that buffeted him circumstantially and even physically. But mentally and spiritually, Paul stayed strong. The Bible said the spirit of a man in the old covenant will sustain his infirmity, his weakness, or what weakens him. But a wounded spirit, who can bear? The devil wants us to be wounded in our spirit. He wants us to feel that God is unfaithful, that the Word of God is not really, really true, that we can't really, really depend on God, because if He loved us, why would He let this thing occur in our life? That is one of the greatest weapons of the devil to get us to disbelieve God. Doubt is normal. Doubt is human. Unbelief is the danger. And the scripture warns us, beware lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Listen, friend, for we are partakers of Christ if we keep the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. They that endure to the end shall be saved. That's exactly what God is saying, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, 
you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said, if, if, if the power of Christ will rest on me, if I'm closer to God, more dependent on God, then I'm going to recognize trials and tests as keeping me from becoming self-sufficient instead of all-sufficient in Him. You see, Paul knew. He saw it. He said, lest I be lifted up above measure through the many revelations I've received, there was given me. The devil sent that emissary. God allowed it to a point. (laughs) Amen. Listen, God's got a leash on that old boy. I want you to know that right now. God's got a leash on him. He's on a short chain and he can't go but so far. And when he reaches, I I remember, I've got to relate this while we have just a few moments of time here. My daddy worked at a tire shop. In fact, my granddaddy owned it and they had a junkyard dog. And this dog was mean. You've heard of a junkyard dog? What's his job? To guard the junkyard. It seems like easy pickings for people to get inside the fence and just pilfer through, take what they want. But if you've got a junkyard dog in there, they're not going to get it. Well, through the day when they were they were operating, people coming and going, they kept him on a chain. They turned him loose at night. But he was on a chain. But he was a junkyard dog, and he would, he 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 knew what his job was, and that was to tear somebody up that come near that place, and they kept him on a chain, and he would see somebody coming, and he would tear off at him, and they would freeze because they didn't know, you know, they it took a while <laughs> to figure out he's on a chain, but it it was funny. But it wasn't funny. He had a big leather collar and a big heavy chain. But he'd forget his owner chain. And he'd run full out. And suddenly, when he, when he got the, the, that chain would kick in, when he reached the end of it, he would, it would jerk him back and his feet would go out from under him. He'd be flat on his back. (laughs) If, if he wasn't a big, mean, thick-necked dog, then then it would have broke his neck. I'll tell you, the devil's going to run full out at you. He's going to run full out at me. And he's not coming like a junkyard dog. He's coming as a roaring lion, a famished, roaring lion, hungry to devour. Jesus put it this way, The thief cometh, but to steal, kill, destroy, But I have come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. He will not allow you to be tested even when the devil comes full out. Above that, that you are enabled to bear because of the sufficiency of his grace and the fact that he is in 
ultimate control. That's why all things, even that thing, and this thing, and that bad thing, they work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, Romans 8.29. 8.28 and 29, He did predestine to be conformed to the image of His Son. And what did Jesus say to us? He said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah! Who made, who, who made of Himself no reputation. Let this mind be in you. That was in Christ the Lord who made of himself no reputation, but humbled himself and was obedient to the death of the cross. Therefore, God hath highly exalted him. But friend of mine, this is the mindset of Jesus. And if he didn't have that perspective for the joy that was set before him, the scripture said he endured the cross despising the shame. He said, if there's any other way, let the cup pass. But there's no other way to save us except His suffering and dying on the cross in our behalf. And He went to that cross. He would have called the, the armies of heaven, the angels of heaven, to take Him off that cross, take Him back to heaven. He not go through all of this. But aren't you glad that he did? I love that song that says, I don't know why Jesus loved me. Oh, but I'm glad, so glad that he did. Can you trust his love even through that trial? Can you dare to believe him? Can you even rejoice when the trouble comes and say, Lord, I thank you that you're in control. I thank you. That even though the devil is running at me, wanting to harm me, not as a junkyard dog, but as a roaring lion, he's on your chain. He can only go so, so far. <laughs> Amen. He's going to get jerked back. Amen. Touch not my anointed. <laughs> Amen. Listen, the devil knows if you don't give place to him, God is not going to allow him to destroy you. The Apostle Paul put it this way. We are cast down. We're going to feel those days. <laughs> Amen. We're cast down. But we're not forsaken. God is with us. That fourth man. Is in that fire with you dear friend. Right now. Look for him. He's there. Hallelujah. We are cast down. But not forsaken. We are persecuted. That means chased as a deer, chased as some kind of of, of prey, uh, looking look, someone's looking to destroy it, but we are not destroyed. <laughs> Hallelujah! We're perplexed. We don't understand everything. We don't know how to pray at all times. We think we do, Amen. But we don't, and we defer to God. We pray in the Spirit when we don't understand. Praise God, and we keep trusting. Hallelujah. We're perplexed, but we are not in despair, because God is in control. Think it not strange, the fiery trial that has come to try you, as some strange thing has happened, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted above that 
tested, you see, above that that you are able, enabled by the Lord to bear. (laughs) You say, I can't take anything. That's pretty good testimony. Amen. Look to the Lord then. (laughs) I can't, but God can. Not that we're sufficient of ourselves. We don't need to be. Our sufficiency is of the Lord. Literally, Paul is saying, I'm all sufficient in His sufficiency. He, he, he came, he would never boast. <laughs> I am what I am by what? What God gave him to go through the trials by the grace of God. Not just by the, not just by his resolve, not even by the power of his faith in his faith. How big his faith was to, 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 to manipulate his life, to just be perfect in every way. No faith was designed to do that. Faith begins and ends with trusting God. Jesus is the author, and he's the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, who's the author and the finisher. Keith Green sang a song, and one of the verses was, He brought me here where things are clear and trials turn to gold. It had to be based on this scripture. 1 Peter 1, 7, The trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory when... At the appearing of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Oh, dear friend of mine, I know, I know that there are trials and tests that we would love to avoid and evade. The world runs from trouble, tries to escape reality through drink and drugs and all kinds of sins of the flesh. We run to God in the time of trouble. And find reality of peace and power and grace and mercy and love. Protection. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and are safe. And we find the divine adequacy of the sufficiency of God's grace. In spite of it all. Hallelujah. And we rest in the Lord, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. The trial that brought you closer to God produced a positive, not a negative in your life. And if you won't let it make you bitter, God's going to cause it to make you better. <laughs> Hallelujah. The pressure that caused you to cry out to Him. And diligently seek Him doesn't, didn't defeat you. It served only to stimulate perseverance, producing endurance. Hallelujah. I'm going to read Romans 8.28 again. And we know, it's not just a statement, it's something we come to a knowledge of. We get a new perspective We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him. God, who has been called, those who have been called according to His purpose. To which I'd like to add, even if it's eventually, 
<laughs> Hallelujah. Even if it isn't immediately, it will eventually bring good into your life and mine. We need to weather the storm and get a new perspective on why it came and what God, if God doesn't take us from it, he's got a plan. He's got a purpose. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ, I might also add, let this mind be in you, which was also in the Apostle Paul and the early disciples and apostles. Amen. If they saw trials and tests as God being unfaithful, the early church would have never, never went from where it started to the world. It would have never got out of town. They would have stayed behind closed doors, they would have they would have lived a life of fear the rest of their life ah but jesus after he was resurrected went into that room where they were hiding <laughs> amen and they knew he was alive and he told them to go in all the world sent them to preach to every creature and said i'm with you i'm with you turn cowards into courageous soldiers of the cross. Hallelujah. Because he said, I'll never leave you. I'm with you. Hallelujah. I'm, oh, I, he ascended, but he said, I'm coming back to you. I won't leave you orphanous. I'll send you the, I'll send you another comforter, literally one just like myself, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he has come. So Jesus can intercede for us with the Father, sit at His right hand, and live with us, within us, and be with us simultaneously. Oh, dear friend of mine, today is a day of great trouble, trial, and test. But God is on the throne, and He's inscribed us on His hands. He told ancient Israel that I forget you not. Can a mother for forget her suckling child. She may, yea, she may, but I'll never forget you. I'll never abandon you. <laughs> Hallelujah. If you don't abandon me, you can count on me. Don't let the devil, I'm going to use Western terminology here. Don't let him hornswoggle you. Don't let him hoodwink you. Don't let him pull the wool over your eyes and tell you God is not faithful today. God loves you. God loves me. God loves us. And whatever is happening, amen. Listen, you may be in a fiery trial right now, and it may look like that lion, that junkyard dog is going to get loose and devour you. But I'm telling you to keep trusting God. Don't lean to your understanding. There's an end to his chain. <laughs> and when God says enough, it's going to jerk him back. Amen. Hallelujah. The shield of faith will quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Don't let it down now. In Jesus' precious name. And today, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I know, I know he's calling you to salvation. How do you know, preacher? You don't know how sinful I am. What a rebel I've been. You don't, you don't know me. You don't know what all I've done. I've blasphemed God. I've, listen, if you spoke against God, it can be forgiven. 
you spoke against Christ, it can be forgiven. The unforgivable sin is speaking against the Holy Spirit, rejecting and blaspheming the very one who's come to convict you of your sin and convince you that it's not too late to be saved and draw you to Jesus. Oh, friend, don't push Him away. Don't push Him away. God still wants to save you. Christ wants to intercede and interpose His own blood in your behalf. Come to Jesus. Come to Christ. Come to this one who will save you and keep you safe. Here's what he'll do if you will just come repenting of your sin. He will save your soul. Forgive your sin. You'll be reconciled unto God and he will, he will seal you unto the day of redemption with the Holy Spirit. Mark you as his own. And he will keep you safe from the wrath to come. Oh, friend, you'll still go through trials, you'll still have tests, but you won't face them alone. You'll be all sufficient in His sufficiency. In Jesus' name.